Hey, this is Evan Marquez, dating coach for smart, strong, successful women, and your personal trainer for love. Welcome back to the Love You podcast. Keep listening to learn five ways your negativity shines through on dates. When you're done, uh, stick around to learn how to apply to Love You, a place where you can find a find a relationship that makes you feel safe, heard, and understood. Uh, and I'm excited for today's podcast, uh, not in the least because I have a list of five things. Uh, list of five things keep you from rambling and going on tangents. Although I predict that will not stop me. Uh, you will notice uh, if you're watching on YouTube that I am using a microphone helmet today. Uh, I had to do about 15 minutes of tinkering so it didn't look like a big silver penis. Uh, with Anyway, it's a different look. Uh, for those watching on YouTube, uh, I, I don't know the sound will be better, but that was the intention was to make the sound a little bit better uh, so you don't have to hear my peas exploding uh, as normal. Always looking to improve the user experience for you. So uh, today uh, we're going to just start with our Love You Insight. Uh, I'm not going to do any housekeeping. We got some promotional stuff. There's always new stuff going on in Love You. Um, I, to the point where I... I can't even keep up with the amount of good news that I have. I, I, I've, you know, I do my one little small win, and I do my my uh, my uh, success story. This week, I had a seventy-year-old client who posted a picture of her moving in with her boyfriend. I had someone else in her sixties talk about her new boyfriend. Um, so I, I I I am filled to the brim with positivity and abundance and hope for you. I hope you could summon it yourself as we go through this uh, podcast about negativity. So love you insight. Number one, five ways your negativity shines through on dates. The first thing that uh, I have noticed, it's not, uh, this. these are not things that you can get from your doctor. You could only get this from your friendly neighborhood dating coach is constant complaining. Uh, I share that as a constant complainer. Uh, I don't think this is something I take pride in. Uh, I could probably find a positive spin. I'm very realistic. I'm analytical. I'm critical. Um, but I'm also Jewish. And there's a normalization of complaining. Uh, there's no stiff upper lip <laughs> in my in my culture. And so constant complaining, uh, even if the complaints are valid, don't do much to elevate you. Don't do much to make you look good even if everything is in fact awful. I remember once upon a time when I was a single guy, it was in my late 20s and I didn't have a career. Um, I was a penniless screenwriter, really struggling in Hollywood uh, with friendships, love life, uh, and certainly career. And I remember being on a date with someone that I had met on a website called JDate. And after a phone conversation, we weren't even on the date. After a phone conversation, she said to me, you don't need a girlfriend. You need a shrink, uh, which I'm pretty sure didn't go over my head. I'm pretty sure that was an insult. And she was right. Um, not that I went and got a shrink. I didn't have any money. But her point that I was using her as the way someone would use 
uh, a shrink or would uh, lean on a, a partner or a spouse who's already bought in, you can't bring all your negativity to the first date and complain how awful the world is and how awful men are and how awful your city is and how awful online dating is. And there's lots in the world to complain about. Um, but the strange part is people like confident, people like positive. If you can summon your confident, positive part of you while you're dating, it's going to serve you better than looking at the world through the glass half empty lens, even though I could acknowledge the glass his is in fact half empty all the time. Uh, second thing, excessive skepticism. I think this is an interesting idea, the idea of excessive skepticism. Um, and this is skepticism about two things. There's skepticism about you and there's skepticism about your man. These are, these, these are two things. If you believe the other shoe is going to drop and you're always talking about how the other shoe is going to drop, um, doesn't lend someone else to believe in you. So there's, there's two ways of looking at that. Let's say that you are the car salesperson and the product you're selling is yourself. You're never going to buy a car from a salesperson who's like, this one's a piece of shit. It gets 12 miles per gallon. Um, it's, it loses, you know, 40% of its value. The second you drive off the lot, um, the consumer reports only rates it a three out of five. What if you're talking down your own product? going to be hard to sell your product, but what do people do? We're so beaten down by um, failure, disappointment, resentment, uh, embarrassment, shame, that we go on first dates and we tell people what's wrong with us. We, we really, this, and this is different than being vulnerable. Right? You can tell your story in a vulnerable way without dumping on yourself. But sometimes people just go into this, you know, like, Hey, I just want to tell you, I've been divorced three times. I want to get that out of the way. I want to tell you that I haven't had a relationship for 30 years because I'm afraid of getting hurt. So it, it's kept me on the shelf for a really, really long time. These are things that you might want to ease into or the pedestal principle telling some guy, oh my God, you're so cute. Uh, you're so smart. I don't know how you're here with me. I, you know, and you, you suddenly put him on a pedestal, treat him as if he's the last man on earth. And then suddenly he's looking down at you because he doesn't see you as an equal. Why? Because you haven't positioned yourself as an equal. So that's one way, except if skepticism, right? What are you doing here with me? I don't believe this is ever going to work out. Whether you think it, whether you say it, it comes out in conversation. And then there's a the skepticism on the other side, the genuine belief that there are no good guys out there that everybody's bound to flake out or to use you or to disappoint you or to ghost you. And you may have had a history, right? Continue to have a history of choosing men like that. I will only point out they exist. They're real. They're a decent subset of men, but it's largely been the men you've chosen. It's largely, largely been the men you've been attracted to. At any point in time, you can change your choice of men and value men who are consistent and kind and into you and sincere. And you won't have to worry nearly as much about the worst case scenario happening and thinking, okay, one day when he ghosts me, right, where you're holding something back from relationships. Um, 
I've got a client who who specializes in this. Uh, she will have to go by name because she's an active client, but she specializes in, hey, I'm in my 50s. I've never been married before. And it's only a matter of time when this goes bad. And for, for the most part, she's been right because she's always chosen highly limited men, right? Friends with benefits, guys, you know, recently separated, that kind of thing. So she's always put herself in the position where the shoe always was going to drop. So she's not wrong, but she don't want to treat a new earnest, interested guy as if he's going to be a reincarnation of the last terrible guy that you chose. So avoid excessive skepticism if you can. Number three, lack of enthusiasm. I cannot emphasize this enough. Uh, you've seen it before. I don't even have to tell you about this. If you're out with a guy, um, guy comes on really strong. Women often tend to back off. He's too needy. I'm not attracted to him anymore. He's like a puppy dog. He has no life. When men actually like it when you're attracted to them. Men actually like it when you show that you're attracted to them. Not when you throw that yourselves at them, not when you start naming your babies, but just positive reinforcement goes a really long way with men. Sorry, I don't know where my voice is today. It's the first time I've used it this morning. So have you ever gone out with a guy and later found out the reason he didn't ask you out again is because he couldn't tell if you liked him? I've been coaching for a really long period of time. Uh, and I've had women come back to me with that more times than I care to count, right? Where they were out with a guy. And the only thing that went wrong, she thought the date went well. He was like, I could not tell if she was interested in me. It would be like watching a movie that's a comedy, never laughing and saying, I loved it. <laughs> um, now, again, I'm not saying you're obliged to laugh at the comedy. Uh, you don't have to force yourself into any sort of behavior you don't want to. My, my advice is always based on effective and ineffective. It is not effective to go on a date with a man whose job is literally to put on a show for you, to demonstrate to you how he's thoughtful and chivalrous and generous and interesting and interested and attentive and sensitive and relationship oriented. He has to demonstrate all these things in an hour and a half. And if your default setting on the date is, and I'm not blaming or judging, I don't know you, if your default setting is like, all right, man, show me what you got. Or I can't really believe a word you say, or I'm petrified that I'm going to get my heart broken again. So I'm just going to ask a lot of questions. I'm not going to offer anything about myself. I'm going to play my cards really close to my vest. I don't think any of these are intentional strategies. I'm only pointing out that something I said in my book, uh, why he disappeared years ago, uh, we're putting on a show. The least you can do is applaud. So when a guy tells you a story, ask him questions about the story. When a guy picks up the check, thank him for picking up the check. When a guy goes to <clears throat> make a move at the end of the night to kiss you, if you like him, kiss him back. Don't turn the other cheek or just pat him on the back. Anything that we're doing is strangely, it's for you, right? Now there's guys who are terrible at dating. We're not trying to reward guys who are terrible at dating. If you don't like a guy, you don't have to go out with a guy. But if you go out with a guy and he has no idea because you didn't compliment him because you didn't laugh at his jokes because you didn't ask him questions because you didn't show affection because you didn't give him any warmth how is he going to know that you liked him enough to ask you out on a second date 
why would I even want to go on a second date with someone where he couldn't tell if you had fun? Because that's going to impact his fun. Remember, he wants you to have fun. He's he's making an effort, whether you recognize recognize it or not. You've maybe never had to take a guy out on a date and spend a lot of time thinking about how is he receiving me? You might have been in your head in other ways about am I good enough for this man or whatever. But guys always have to recognize they're putting on some sort of performance to demonstrate to you why they're worthy of you. If you do not give him in the moment positive uh, feedback on his performance, he will be confused and mystified. Uh, it has happened to me. It is not unusual. And so I emphasize if you don't show some enthusiasm for him on the date, you might not hear from him another time. Number four, uh, and this is slightly different. I want to differentiate it between skepticism and complaining. Critical remarks, right? things you don't want to do on a first date that are negative. Critical remarks. And it's, once again, it's a thing that we do. We find fault in things. The problem is when we spend too much time finding fault in things, what are we not connecting over? The stuff that makes us human, hopes and dreams and feelings, friends, family, relationships. These are the things we should be talking about on relationships, really who we are, not what we do for fun, not movies we're see seeing on TV, but connecting over really what makes us human. But if we're spending our time on complaining about the amount of pepper on the Caesar salad or making fun of the person at the table next door or what the waiter is wearing, right? Or talking about how awful our exes are, right? Or how terrible the crowd on Bumble is, right? It's a, just another form of critical remarks that lend someone to believe, believe, whether it's entirely true is a different story, lend someone to believe that you're a negative person and that the next person you're going to be criticizing is them. And I, I know this isn't easy. I, 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 it's a quality that I share, which is why it's really easy for me to point it out. Um, you know, gossip is not considered a, um, a virtue anyway, anyhow, and yet it's what we do. We talk about other people and it's not just praise. Just know that when you're making a first impression someone, um, if you start telling people what's wrong, right, it's going to soon bleed into what's wrong with them. I This is a true story. I actually went on a date with someone. I can remember her name. I will not say it out loud. Um, but I went on a date with someone who on the date just decided to tell me what she thought was wrong with me. Uh, and it was funny because it was so weird it was just like you know you know I and mean, i just get the sense that you're really you know you're really opinion you have opinions about everything and like you think you're really well read and so you feel like the 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 need to to share your opinions and i just find it it's really argumentative and <laughs> the irony was that she was the one who was being argumentative and starting a fight with me because i would never go on a date and tell someone what was wrong with her if I didn't find her appealing, I just wouldn't go out with her again. But here she is on the date, giving me a comment card on what she thought was wrong with me. I'm not sure how she felt it would make me respond to her more. Could you imagine going out with a guy who told you what he thought your personality flaws were on the date? 
So when you get into these kind of critical remarks, you know, sometimes it's just easier to, to smile and not, unless someone's actually asking for feedback, which usually means things have gone horribly awry. If a guy is like, okay, I see this data is going sideways. You know, what did I do wrong? How could I learn from this experience? Literally a conversation that has virtually never happened. Um, in most situations, it's polite to be gracious. You go to a friend's dinner party, you don't like the cooking, you don't criticize the chef. You just eat the food and you smile and nod and on the car ride home, you say, you say something to your spouse. You, you absolutely do not say something to the person who just served you dinner. So that's the, what I mean about critical remarks is you're allowed to feel your feelings. You're allowed to not like someone. You're allowed to not go again. But in general, you want to leave someone with a positive feeling. I, I genuinely hoped that out of all the dates I went on, I usually left someone feeling positive about themselves, about dating, and about me, even if we weren't a love match. Finally, uh, number five, uh, excessive self-deprecation. Right? These are five ways your negativity shines through. Excessive self-deprecation. Um, having a moment of self-deprecation is endearing. Uh, I can joke about how I can't fix anything. My hands are smooth because I type for a living and how the last, you know, handy Jewish guy was probably Jesus and, um, how I, uh, was not born to be a doctor because I'm pretty much a weakling when it comes to the sight of blood. Um, I could make fun of my, my non-masculine frailties and but it's not a huge source of my identity right it's like a it's a sprinkling right it's a it's a spice it's not the main dish and i think that's sort of the problem is when people don't feel really good about themselves they lean on the self-deprecation right with a guy gives you a compliment about how you look you'll put down your own body or something like that right like there, there's some defensiveness about just graciously accepting a compliment. So there's nothing wrong with having the self-awareness to tease yourself or take a joke. I think that's actually quite healthy. It's when it veers too far over. And most of these things that I'm talking about, I'm, you know, I'm a dating coach for women and I give advice to women. Most of the things I just said, if not all the things I said, are equally applicable to men. You wouldn't want a guy who is constantly complaining about his job. You wouldn't want a guy who is skeptical that he was good enough for you or that you would like him. You wouldn't want a, a guy who didn't show any warmth or enthusiasm for you. You wouldn't want a guy who was criticizing everything and everyone around him. And you wouldn't want a guy who was constantly beating himself up. Right? These are all pretty universal truths. And you could probably look back on your history and say, oh, gosh, I've met that guy. The hard part is realizing I'm falling into that behavior, too. So with that, uh, I hope that at least raises some flags for you about how the energy you put across when you're on a date, how you want to show up. You want to show up as your best self, your happiest self, the person you are around your best friends, your family, uh, the person who is light, the person who's silly, the person who doesn't take everything so seriously, uh, and the person who's genuinely inquisitive and cares about what other people think. Even though he's a stranger, you want to treat him as if he's a known entity. That comfort level makes for good dates if you can summon it. Um, so now I want to talk about small wins. Right before I talk about small wins, I want to remind you, if you learn something on these Love You podcasts, and I really try, by, by doing the longer podcasts these days, I try to give more free advice. I try to give more value. And I just want you to know, if this appeals to you, go to evanmarkcamps.com forward slash apply. 
watch my video on how to fix your broken man picker. And uh, when you're done with that video, fill out a, a short application. If you're qualified, you and I will spend an hour on the phone talking and we'll figure out if you're a good fit for my coaching program. I'm having amazing success with my clients. My clients are more importantly having amazing success in this community of smart, successful women who really, really get it and live this advice. So thank you for that uh, moment of self-promotion. Uh, and let's go to Love You Small Wins after this short break. Hey, we're back. Uh, probably slightly different positioning because I did have to get up. Um, but I wanted to share with you, uh, before we dove into the second half of the podcast, our Love You Small Win for today. It is, as always, something that warms my heart. A few weeks ago, I was super down. I felt like funneling, which is my system of filtering, guys, wasn't working. My mantra every week has been, if I do the work, results will come. Never in my life have I had more high-quality men asking me out. I have like five different guys that I'm dating and then three online that I'm talking to. It's like a magic trick. I love the abundance. That is why people join Love You, is to have control over their own destiny and to realize there are good guys. You could find them and you could have the pick of the litter as long as you know what you're doing. The problem is generally you don't know what you're doing. So my recommended read for the week is, why are women more negative about dating than men? Uh, as I said, I try to come up with themes where I could have the recommended read go with my little, uh, insight. So today we're going to talk about negativity and I came up with a list of five to make the whole thing symmetrical. Um, and once again, these are never definitive answers. These are just my, my philosophical musings as to why women are more negative about dating than men. I know some men who are negative about dating. I know there's a whole community of men who are incels and men going their own way and there's there's a there's a uh, a sizable misogynist movement uh uh sorry yeah misogynist that's the word i was looking for there's a sizable misogynist movement today so this is not something that's definitive but because my job is listening to women um I, I may have a bias where I think that women have a more negative take on dating relationships than men. Uh, and maybe that's rightfully so. We could even make that argument. But nonetheless, um, here's why I think that is the case. You could pass it through your filter and tell me if you agree with me here. Number one, certainly for women of a certain age, the biological imperative of childbearing. Uh, the ticking clock gets louder and louder as you get older and older, and it creates an undue sense of pressure on women not to waste time with men. Uh, there's no way that couldn't impact, impact your dating and relationship journey if you wanted to, to be the mother of biological children. Um, spending five years with a man from 35 to 39, for example, uh, who isn't your guy, who cheats on you, who uh, decides he doesn't want to get married and or have kids, uh, who makes promises that he can't keep and then refuses to step up to the plate. Just use that as an example. What a tremendous loss. What a tremendous waste of time that you can't get back. And so there's a lot of pressure on women to 
figure things out often before they're ready. Right? And, and especially where we are in society, and I haven't even seen if I, if I put this in later, but where we are in society, where in general, I wouldn't recommend anybody get married before they're 30. Right? You're just going through so many changes, trying to figure out who you are and what you're going to be for a living and trying to just establish roots and find your purpose and your voice and your career, build your build your sense of self-esteem and awareness, set boundaries. And it's just all the, you know, all the adulting that, that, that begins to happen at that time. I wouldn't recommend anybody settle down much before then, unless you're uncommonly uh, mature or settled. And so now you've got this, what, five-year period, 30 to 35, to really seriously look for dating and relationship candidates you can build a life with which doesn't mean that life ends at 35 it just means that biological clock starts ticking you reach advanced maternal age men know you reach advanced maternal age start to filter you out online because if they want to have time to have families they're looking for women under 35 i know i was when i was that age i married a woman three years older than me so again there's exceptions to that rule but man, the biological imperative of childbearing has a huge impact and creates an undue sense of pressure on women or perhaps a due sense of pressure to take their love lives seriously in their late 20s, early 30s, contemporaneous when you're hitting your stride in your career and traveling and also experiencing things and sowing your oats. I mean, there, there's a, there's a, that, that's a lot of things where guys tend to buy themselves a little bit more time um, and can afford to buy themselves a little bit more time because they don't have the same biological pressures. So um, uh, I can understand why women find it uh, much more frustrating and uh, and don't enjoy dating for that very reason because there's there's a black cloud hanging over their head that men don't have to face in the same way um number two oxytocin uh i think it's thrown around a little bit too much as like this sort of like the magical you know cuddle drug um but for our purposes let's let's at least acknowledge this Oxytocin is a real home hormone that is released um, uh, with sexual intercourse and orgasm that women have more of, uh, and it allows for greater bonding. And so it just means that in general, women are going to get more attached during sex than men are. Uh, it goes deeper than that, um, why men can separate sex and emotion. But if you're a woman, and it doesn't mean that you have to fall in love with every guy you sleep with or that you can't just have sex for fun, not doing any of that deep-seated biological imperative stuff. But if you've noticed, as I've noticed, that women tend to uh, develop feelings for guys that they're sleeping with, and guys could sleep with someone for a really long period of time and not really develop feelings and kind of be fine with it, we could talk about the uh, effects of oxytocin. And if that is another thing that's going to make dating a little bit more of a roller coaster than just being able to date as guys do, which is to just date date for volume and date for fun. And one day you find someone you like platonically as you're sleeping your way through your local town. I think for women, it's a little bit harder to do so. And that will increase their negativity. Why can't I just do what guys do? Well, 
there's a biological reason that makes it a little bit trickier for you to do what guys do. Even though dating like a man, which is partially what I teach and love you, I think is an effective way to date, which is to be just a little bit more re removed, be the CEO, date with a little bit more volume, right? And let someone earn the right to become your boyfriend, earn the right to sleep with you. I still think dating like a man is a good idea, but sleeping around as men do uh, often poses a challenge to women, even if they want to do that. Number three, societal expectations. I I would imagine since some you know uh, man talking about women's biology doesn't always sit well. Even though obviously I don't control women's bio biology, I don't think I said anything that's terribly controversial. But me talking about women's fertility and we, me talking about uh, women's oxytocin always rankles certain people. I understand that. I think the societal expectations thing is is something that. Um, uh, I've learned from women is uh, a greater concern where uh, society expects you to be part of a couple. Uh, you have your mom asking you, who are you dating? You have your friends wondering where you're going to pair up. You have strangers asking, are you are you ever having kin kids? I just think that there's a ton of societal expectation that one should be married with children. And uh, although that's changing a bit, uh and we can debate whether the world's a better place for all people, more people flying solo than partnering up. But the world's definitely changing a bit in that regard. Um, but society hasn't entirely caught up. These are still these expectations, and these expectations do weigh more heavily on women. I think women tend to be more relational, um, and again, in a good way. I think women often make for better partners because women are more relational. Uh, and men are a little bit more independent and tone deaf. Uh, and so you're going to find a society that is consumed with the expectation that women should be um, in relationships, taken care of by a man, having a family. And uh, I think it would probably be hard to either unwittingly or uh, willingly defy uh, societal expectations, uh, and especially for women where I think there's probably more of a, a culture where you are encouraged to conform, where men are encouraged to uh, stand out. I think that's a, a total double standard that persists despite the conversation around it. Number four, communication styles. You tell me if this rings a bell for you. Men are not encouraged to talk about their feelings. So even if they're lonely, you won't hear them complain as much, right? Or rail as much on the opposite sex. So this is something that is, it's not necessarily worse for women, but the culture for women fosters an open dialogue about this. So it might seem like women are more negative about relationships. Guys just, you know, keep it to themselves. So they dive into video games or drugs or alcoholism. Uh, throw themselves into work in, in a different way, but they tend to not talk about it as much. There's not as much of a cultural conversation about that. There might be con cultural conversation now about men's loneliness, um, but I don't even know if that conversation is entirely spearheaded by men uh, uh, as much as it is a, a, a real observation that I think men are extremely lonely and disconnected. Women have more friends. They have deeper friendships. And because of these communication styles, you would get the sense that women have a harder time with this when, I don't know, 
it's possible that men do, or it's possible that men like the engineer types are just perfectly fine putting on headsets and tuning out the rest of the world and talking to their AI girlfriends. I, I, I don't know the answer to the question, but I do think uh, women focus on this. Uh, I'm, I'm picturing, and again, I know this is a dated reference, I'm picturing the divorce club um, from from uh, Jerry Maguire. Tom Cruise walks into the room and Bonnie Hunt and her, and her friends are all talking about men and you know the railing on men and their exes and i don't know i don't know places where where that kind of conversation exists among men perhaps it should i don't think it's terribly constructive perhaps it should uh there's just not enough men spaces for it so uh my belief is not that the women are uniquely focused on relationships and where it's a, a a binary but i do think women care more. And I think men should care more. I think there's an imbalance there. So this is not a criticism of women uh, as much as it is an observation about the, the state of men and their EQs. And finally, um, expectations uh, about what happens in relationships. And this, this is a soft criticism. It's worth, it's worth hearing. Men understand that rejection is part of the process. And I'm not positive that women are used to the levels of rejection that men are used to. Um, and so it makes all the failures all the more intolerable if you're a woman, right? The, the, the narrative and you know, men, men control, men have all the power. He's the one who could, he's the one who asks me out. He's the one who, who ultimately proposes all the power for commitment is in his hands. And that's, that's not true. You can reject a guy any point in time, right? He asks you out, you say no. He tries to kiss you, you say no. He wants a second date, you say no. He buys you a ring, you, you say no. Like Men don't have any more power than you do. But a lot of women, I think, think men have that sort of power. Um, and men, because we tend to be the aggressors, uh, just get really used to it. If you're a guy online, you're, you're getting rejected. You know, you're putting yourself out there, whether you're swiping or emailing on a conventional dating site. If you're at a bar going up to someone and trying to make conversation or buy a drink, really putting yourself out there, asking for a phone number. Uh, so we're just really, really used to rejection. We don't like it. It still stings, but we understand it's sort of part of the game. Um, I don't know most women have had that experience in the same way. You know, you've gone online and a guy wrote to you and then didn't follow through with you, right? He flaked because he was texting 15 people at once. So you got sort of like a passive rejection, but not the same active rejection that guys have to initiate. So for all, again, for all the rejection you faced, again, it's not to minimize it, right? Just men online get rejected by like 90, 95% of women at first swipe. Right? Your rejection rate isn't as high. Um, the rejection comes a little bit later. It's when he has 10 choices and he can only take out one person on Saturday night. And I just think that uh, as a coach for women, I think women aren't as used to it. And so you're more likely to take a prolonged dating hiatus and just give up um, proclamations. There are no good men out there. We're I don't know, when I was single, it's just, you know, I got rejected online by over 50% of people, certainly. 
um, probably higher if I, if I, if I dig deeper into my old emails. Um, and I still went out with 300 people because what choice did I have? I don't know that everybody has the stomach for that. And I don't know that it's unique to men, but I think men understand, uh, and have had enough experience knowing that if you don't put yourself out there, if you don't ask anybody out, if you stand on the sidelines, you're never going to find a wife. You're never going to find a girlfriend. You're never going to get laid. And for most of us, that's not, that's not an acceptable, like I'm not content with that. Uh, and I think women find maybe more friendship outside of that, more purpose outside of that to the point where maybe they are just more easy to make peace with it, or maybe they're more sensitive uh, culturally and or biologically to rejection that they take dating failures harder uh, and take off six months, five years at a time. Um, I, that kind of stuff hasn't occurred to me. And, uh, and I think most men just, just tend to bounce back a little bit quicker. Um, uh, and that is probably a societal expectations thing. Um, so again, I know I, I, all the things I'm saying today are not, are not facts. They're observations. You could certainly disagree with any of them. I don't take it personally, but I do think if you, you find yourself negative about dating, that you take the time to consider why am I negative about dating? Uh, and is it a bias? Should I be this negative about dating? And what does this mean for me if I have expectations that I should sail through online dating without rejection, right? Or that I care what other people think about me or what my friends and family say about me or what it means for me to uh, get attached to someone after sex or the pressure that I might find myself under because I want to have my own biological children. These are factors that create a whole maelstrom of emotions inside of women that I think in general men don't have to deal with in the same way. So if it sounds like an attack, it's really more uh, meant as a form of sympathy as to why you might be more negative about dating. So I hope you took it that way as the way it was intended. Um, it's not that all these emotions are a choice. You feel what you feel, but always we want to look at the glass half full, not the glass half empty to realize you don't need a million guys to be happily, to live happily after, live happily ever after. You need one. So I, I don't think, uh, <laughs> I don't think that was inspiring. I don't think that, that made anybody happy. I'm, I'm, I'm conscious of that. The easiest thing I could do here is tell you what's wrong with men. And everybody would nod their head and be like, yeah, that's true. Uh, looking in the mirror and saying, hey, maybe my attitude about this is a little bit off and needs a little bit tweaking. Maybe my approach could stand to you some improving. That is the constructive part. And understand that constructive is designed to help. It's never designed to hurt. Uh, if it makes you think, probably doing something a little bit right. So today's love you love story is super sweet. Um, I wrote it out in full because I never want to cut a, a, a client's emotions short. She writes, during my time in love you, I was successfully dating a very nice man. I ended up breaking up with him because he wanted to rush me into marriage. And I, as my own dating CEO, was not ready for marriage after dating him for only seven months. Before your course, I probably would have married him to appease him. This time, I heard your voice about being my own dating boss, and this boss was not ready for nuptials this early in the relationship. So off I went to the world of online dating. 
As an over 50-year-old woman, I found there was no shortage of men between the ages of 45 and 65. My inbox was jam-packed with potential dates each day. Most of the prospects were not necessarily a match for me, so I graciously declined their offers to meet up. I was very delighted to have several men ask me out to lunch or dinner as a first date. The man I finally chose is someone I never would have dated in a former lifetime. And again, this is someone who's taken Love You and gotten coaching and has internalized all the crap that I say here. He's a Republican and a devout, never misses church on Sunday Christian who watches Fox News. I'm a liberal CNN secular Jew. He never swears and I can make a sailor blush. The chemistry on my part was originally 50% and has been rising as he continues to prove himself to be a gentleman who really cares about me. It comes natural for him to shower me with love and affection. He always takes the initiative to find something wonderful for us to do on our dates. He talks about a future with me, which I have, to be honest, freak me out <laughs> at first. More importantly, he is honest and has shared his deep feelings for me. What? Guys have feelings? He asked me for exclusivity, monogamy, and told me he loves me. His attentiveness really makes me uh, takes me aback sometimes, since I was always the one to give and give to a man and receive almost nothing in return. Evan, I followed your advice, and I did nothing, meaning don't chase down them. And listen to this, ladies. This is her. Nothing made dating so easy. All I did was go out, have fun, let men do their job. I had zero preconceived notions about anyone, nor did I see any of them as a boyfriend or a husband. I was 100% confident each time I went on a date. I learned that a quality man loves a confident woman and is not threatened by one. Women who believe that men are intimidated by their career achievements have not found the right men. Before taking your course, I was of the belief that all men are liars and cheaters. Every man I dated, including my longtime husband, lied and or cheated on me. Intellectually, I knew that all men are not like that. But after completing Love You, I knew that I landed with the bad actors because I tolerated bad behavior. I gave chance after chance for men to lie or to cheat on me. That has all changed. I no longer feel the need to fix anyone. Fixing someone is exhausting and a waste of my time, time I could spend with a great guy. So I can say that I am in a happy relationship. I enjoy each and every day and never wonder about what will be next. What I am very clear about is that I am the CEO of my dating life. I will not be suckered into a bad relationship by anyone, and I could sniff out the loser guys in a heartbeat. For all this, I say, thank you, Evan. Signed, Susan. As I said, I don't write these things. I just share them with you because I think they're beautiful and I think you need to know that's what's possible for you. Thank you for joining me on this Love You podcast. My name is Evan Mark Katz. If you enjoyed it, please, uh, if you're watching on YouTube, click on the subscribe button, ring the bell to get notified when new content comes out. If you're listening on uh, Apple Podcasts, please leave a positive review or just a review. It doesn't even have to be a positive review and share something that you learned from me um, something because I try to give so much to you for free. All I ask is for you to applaud like we're on a date. Um, and most importantly, if you find yourself listening to these podcasts and wondering, how could I get those small wins? How could I get those love you love stories? Go to www.evanmarkatz.com forward slash apply. Uh, watch my video on fixing your broken man picker. Learn the formula on how to do it, how to attract better men. And when you're done, you could apply to Love You to find a relationship and a community of women that are living the life of their dreams and finding relationships that make them feel safe, heard, and understood. I thank you for your time. I appreciate you. I look forward to seeing you back here next week. Bye-bye.
Are you the woman who has everything except a man? You can have the relationship of your dreams and you don't have to change to get it. In Love You, you will gain confidence, let go of unhealthy relationship patterns, learn to trust your judgment, understand and attract quality men, assess long-term compatibility, and create a passionate, unconditionally loving relationship with a partner who puts you first, never lets you down, and always makes you feel safe, heard, and understood. Go to www.evanmarkkatz.com and click on the Apply for Coaching button to get started.